Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So I know we've looked at these three verses, and I've tried not to look at the same ones again and again, but as we look down through here, and we think in chapter 1 of what the work of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost was in bringing us to salvation, Paul is now going back over that and showing us the condition that we were in. So what kind of a condition were we in? By the Word of God, we were dead in trespasses and sin. And you know, I've often said this, that we've got, uh, we've got a battle with the world, with the flesh, and with the devil. Well, those, those three things right there are in these verses that we're reading. As we looked in verse number 2, what do we see? We see that man is pulled and drawn by the world. That man is walking and walked according to the course of this world. That man was under the influence and really, as Chris said uh, earlier about the authority, at one time I was under the authority, under the lordship of the devil. You might disagree with that, but there's only two. You're either under the authority of God or you're under the authority of the devil. And outside of salvation, man is born in this world a child of sin, a child of the devil, a child of disobedience, a child of wrath. And you know, I know there's people that would argue with that. But we'll get to that, I hope, and have Scripture that will attest to that. I tell you, man is in an absolutely hopeless situation if God doesn't intervene in his life. The world is pulling man. That's man's nature. That's his inclination. That's his desire. The devil is under the control. So we're believing a lie. We're just like he is. And unless God moves him, you say, well, I can get away anytime I want to, get saved anytime, make a decision anytime. That's a lie. That is a lie from the prince of darkness and the liar himself. You can't get free from the devil. The Lord will have to free you. The strong man will have to free you from the devil that you could even move toward God. That you would even think on the things of God. Man loves a lie. I'm sorry to say that, but that's his nature. And man begins lying. 
I tell you, it's unbelievable how little and how small and how early that lying starts. Know this, that came from the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. So we'd like to look at verse verse number 2 talks about verse number 1, we're dead in trespasses and sin. Verse number 2, we were walking according to the course of the world. We were walking in the ways of a lost and a dying world that was headed to hell. Verse number 2, we were walking according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit, so that spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, that same spirit, if you're saved today, that same spirit was working in you. Verse number 3, among whom also we all, notice in verse number 2, wherein times past ye walked according to the course of the world. Verse number 3, among whom also we all, Paul's putting himself in there now. Paul is saying, not only did the Gentiles, not only did the Ephesians, not only did the churches that were over in Asia, not only were they walking in sin, not only were they dead in trespasses, not only were they under the control of the devil, but we also, we who are Jews, we who were, you know, just listen, among whom also we all had our conversation. Among whom also we all. We were also among the children of disobedience. We were also under the control of the devil. We were also following the course of the world. We... Why, why does Paul change from ye to we? Why does he go from ye? Because they were Gentiles. They weren't raised up in Judaism. They did not have the law. They did not have the prophets. They did not have the access to the Word of God that the Jews had. The Jews were the only people that had the law and the prophets. They, they were the only people. Now you might say, well, what about Rahab? What about Ruth? That was an exception to the rule as a whole, as nations. Only Israel had the Word of God. You only have I known of all the people on the face of the earth. That's in the book of Amos. You only have I known. You only have I given such opportunity. But Paul says this, we who had the opportunity, we who were Jews, we who were raised in Judaism, we who had the law and had the prophets, had the book of Moses, had Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel and all the way to Malachi, we were in sin too. We were walking according to the course of the world too. We were children of disobedience also. We whom among, among, we were children of disobedience. So according to, um, according to Paul, we were all in the same condition. Brother John writes Jesus' words in John three eighteen. 
He that believeth on Him, talking about Christ, he that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the only name of the, on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So were we all, we were all in sin. Were we all under the wrath of God? Even the Jews, even Israelites, even Paul, even Paul the Apostle, the writer of 13 books of the New Testament, even he was under the control of the devil. Yes, even him. And even you. Even you. There are none good. No, not one. Not even you. Among whom we all, among whom also, so we also, we also were following the world, we also were under the control of the devil, we also were dead in trespasses and sin, we also were children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation. So that word, we all, himself included, Everybody that was unregenerate. Everybody that was not born again. What about children? I believe we're going to get to that before the end of the verse. Are children children of disobedience? Are children children of the devil? You might say, well, well, they'll have to be a certain age. Will they? Will they have to be a certain age to start sinning? Would you say a one-year-old, a two-year-old can sin? Can they sin? Now, I'm not saying that they have the knowledge of a 16-year-old. I'm saying they've got the nature. It's inherent. Among whom we also had our conversation. So that word means conduct, behavior. A place where we abode, a place where we busied ourselves, our human nature, our inherent nature, we all had our behavior in that way. We were all children of wrath, all children of disobedience. We all also had our behavior in the time past. Now listen to how Paul says this. So we've already covered the world and the devil. Verse number 2. Verse number 3 is going to cover the flesh. Do we all have a flesh to deal with? I mean, according to the Word of God, we've all got to deal with the devil. We've all got to deal with the world. Do we all have to deal with the flesh? Absolutely. So this word flesh. So he says this, among whom we also had our conversation, our behavior, our lifestyle, our uh, human nature that was inherited. We all had that in the time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, among whom we all had our conversation in the times past in the lust of our flesh. So that word lust there, you notice Paul's going to use lust 
and desires. But would you see this? That it says, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Just a little note. Flesh is used over 350 times in the Bible in 50 books. 350 times in 50 books. And I can't, I can't read all of this, and I'm not going to attempt to, but the first time that flesh is used in the Bible, listen to this, and God closed up the flesh instead thereof. That's when He took Adam, a rib out of him, closed up the flesh. So that's the meaning of the flesh, right? I'm just going to come on down through my concordance. And, uh, and he says in Isaiah 31, 3, Horses of flesh, not spirit. He's going to say in Ezekiel chapter number 4, nor came, nor came abomination of the flesh. Acts chapter 2 verse 30. The seed of David according to the flesh. Galatians chapter number 5. Give not, he give us not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Can you see different meanings of flesh? Can you see that there's different meanings for flesh? 350 times in the Bible, 50 different books, the word flesh is used. I believe Paul is using it two different ways in this verse. Notice what he says. For we all had our conversation in the times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So is flesh two different uses there, would you say? So let's think about it for just a moment. So the flesh, he says, we were living after the lust, so the desires the longing, especially that that is forbidden. That's what he's saying about lust. We lived in accordance to the lust of the flesh, that which is forbidden. So the lust of the flesh, I believe that he's talking about the whole man. He's talking about the whole man there. He's not talking about flesh and bone. He's not talking about flesh as far as flesh of men, flesh of animals. He's not talking about it in that sense, but he's talking about the flesh in that that is normally prohibited. So the whole man in the flesh... So now just think about this. Flesh in opposition to the Spirit. So you and I walked according to the flesh, according to the longing, according to the desires, 
of that which was forbidden before we were saved. The whole man did. And people might disagree with that, but I tell you, Paul's going to get it down here in a minute, and he's going to talk about a difference between the flesh and the mind. So the whole man is fallen. The whole man. You know, there'd be debate about that. People would say, well, the whole man's not fallen. Well, I tell you, in this verse, the mind is fallen just as well as the sensual part of man. So there's the flesh and bone. There is no flesh shall be justified in my sight. Well, he's certainly not talking about the flesh of an animal. An animal doesn't need any justification, does it? So he must be talking about man in a fallen nature. But then there's also, I believe you could say this, there's, there's the flesh as all of mankind. So what, what's he say? That we're just like a vapor. That we're like the grass. That we're like the clouds of the morning. We're, we, we're, we live 70 years, promise 70 years. What, what's, what's he saying there? He's saying this, this flesh that you're looking at. So there's a meaning of flesh. The flesh that God opened up the side of Adam and took a rib out and closed up the flesh, there's a meaning of flesh, isn't it? Then we've got the flesh that is in opposition to God. We've got the whole man. I read to you out of Galatians, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are opposed one to the other. So there's another meaning of flesh. And then we've got a meaning of flesh that's talking about the sensual part of man. The animal part of man. The part of man that is natured and has a beast-like nature. That nature that comes, Jude says in his writing, Jude verse number 19. You know, Jude's talking about those that come in unawares. And he says this, These be those who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. So what does that mean, sensual? It means that they're driven, they're moved by the flesh. So let me get back to my verse and try to walk down through it. But you keep that in mind now. Keep in mind that the Bible is using flesh over 350 times in 50 different books. So flesh does not mean the same thing every time. But according to where it's written, the context, if it's in Galatians, if it's in Jeremiah, if it's in Genesis, or if it's in Revelation, or if it's in Jude, it may have a totally different meaning, mightn't it? Among whom we all had our conversation in the times past in the lust of our flesh. So, that word there, the lust of our flesh, the longing, the desires, especially the forbidden of the flesh, the living to gratify 
the longing, the desires of the flesh, that that is of the fallen, corrupt man, and the whole man is fallen. Not only, not only the sensual part, but the thinking is messed up too. When man fell, his thinking fell with him. Don't think that it's only the sensual or the animal part of man that's fallen. I tell you that the mind has fallen too. You know something? Listen to what Paul said in Corinthians. Second uh, Corinthians, I believe. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. Paul says this, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. The word can be translated reasonings. So where is imagination and reasonings? Where does that come about? In the mind. And everything that exalted itself against the knowledge, where does knowledge of God come in? Be a transformed by the renewing of your mind. So through the mind and the work of the Holy Spirit, man is transformed into a new creature. So the mind is involved as well. I don't know about you, but I tell you what, I have... I got a lot of problems with my mind. Not only with my flesh and my natural instinct, and not only with what God gave me animalistically, not only with what God gave me sensually, but I've got problems with my mind as well. Do you have problems? Now listen, I'm saved. But I still got problems with my mind. What condition was man in unsaved? What condition did man have in his mind if he's unsaved? I tell you what, he's driven. He's driven. He's driven by the flesh. He's driven by the body, by the animalistic characteristics, by the sensuality. And he's also driven by what's in his mind. The whole man is in need of regeneration and overcome by the work of God. The whole man has fallen. No, not just his animal nature. The whole man. So this, this Word of God, Paul says, casting down imaginations and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. Where are the thoughts? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's in the mind, folks. I know you. I know you. We may all put on some pious look and act like that never happened to us, but I tell you what you are. You're made out of the same thing that everybody else is made out of. We've all got a mind that has a fallen nature. And friend, even in salvation, we still have trouble with our mind. So before salvation, what kind of a situation is man in? I tell you, every thought, every thought. I just thought of that, but let me just read it to you. Listen to what the Bible says. After the flood, 
after the destruction of the world. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth, that every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So there he says the heart. But listen, he's not talking about just the inner part. He's talking about the seed of the affections, the emotions, the thinking. He's talking about the whole man. The man as a whole is in a fallen nature. You might say, well, well, that was before. Well, how about after? I'll read Genesis chapter 8, verse number 21. And God smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination, the thought, for the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. I tell you that man has got a mind that's fallen as well. What, what shape were we in? Well, let's look back at the verse. Let's look back at the verse. Among whom we all had our behavior, our lifestyle, our walk, in the time past, in the lust, in the desires, in the longings, especially that it is forbidden of the flesh, fulfilling. So this word means to make, to produce, to acquire. What was man doing? Man was fulfilling, man was acquiring, man was going after. Listen now, that man was fulfilling the desires. Now this is not the same word. This is not a longing. This is not a desire. This word means a determination, a decree, a purpose, an inclination, a command that comes from within the flesh. A command. The flesh is commanding. Now, you think about that. The mind is commanding. The flesh is commanding. Fulfilling, man is going to have his purpose and the flesh is commanding that. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. A little more on that word desires. The will. What one wishes or determines shall be done. We were driven by that. And you might think, all of that's bad. No, it's only bad. It's only bad when it goes to the place that it's beyond what God intended it to be. But know this, every one of us were driven and we were desiring and we were going to have and we were determined. We were willed and we were going to have what we wanted. It was a drive within us. Now I thought about it like this. He's talking about the desires of the flesh. Now let's just think about the animal part of us. The animal part of us. So let's think about the animal world just for a moment. What does the animal world want? 
Well, I tell you, they want food. They want to live. They want water. They raise a family. Isn't that amazing? They want a mate. They want all of that. So there's our animal. There's our animal part. We were driven by that. We longed after that. We were determined to have that. Is there anything wrong with that? Anything wrong with uh, a mate, a companion? Anything wrong with food? Anything wrong with drink? Anything wrong with rest? Anything wrong with, with uh, uh, ha- having a mate? Anything wrong with sex? Not anything wrong with any of that, is there? God gave that to man. God gave that to the animal kingdom. But you know, he talks in Proverbs about a glutton. What was the glutton? Here's a man that's driven, driven, driven. A glutton. You know, you could say, uh, also you could say in, in, in the Proverbs, here's a man that's a drunkard. What's going on there? I tell you that the lust, the lust for food has overtaken the man. The lust for drink has overtaken the man. You might think this is a bad thing. But you know, you just think about. You think about how that today that marriage and divorce, or maybe not even marriage, but you think about how that society that we live in today is a continual changing of partners in this world. Now you think that's God's desire? But that's in man. Man is driven unto that. And you know what it is? It's a desire... It's something in man that drives him in a fallen nature, out without regeneration, without God working. Man, and listen, everybody doesn't have the same problem. Why do you reckon today? And you know, I've not looked it up and not going to. But why do you reckon today that pornography is such a big thing because of man's desire. Why do you reckon today that marriage and divorce has happened five or six times in a lady, in a man? Well, is it a desire for a different one? Is it a desire because I can't get along with this one but I've got to have one? Why are people drunken today? Why are so many people on dope today? Why are so many people obese today? What has happened? I tell you what God has given has overcome, been overcome by the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh has taken over man. And if man, a friend left to his own, man will destroy himself. You might disagree with this, but just listen to the verse. We all had our conversation in the time past, and the lust of our flesh 
So there's the whole man. There's man as a whole. There's the, there's the desire. There's the longing. But then there's something in man. There's the sensual part of the flesh. There is that part that is natural to man. There is that part that is natural to uh, uh, his animalistic behavior. Natural to being a brute beast. And yet, because of that will to have, that will to have driven by that, It's out of hand. Among whom we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling, I tell you, man is going to have. That's the way way man is. Unregenerate man says, I'm going to have this. I'm going to have this. You look at our world today. You look at the ungodliness and the wickedness in our world today. Look at the perversion in our world today. I tell you, we're living in a world that says, I'm going to have this. And there's no thought of any of the rest of humanity or the cost to other people. All it is is my desire. What's driving me? So that word again, desire, the determination, the decree, the purpose, the command from within the flesh. What one wishes or determines shall be done to gratify the flesh. Now are we not living in a world today that that is way, way out of hand? But know this, that we were all there We were all there to gratify the longing, the desire. We were there to gratify that inward will, that inward pursuing, that inward determination. You know, I've heard a lot of folks say, you know, you question the road they're going down. Their answer a lot of times as well, I believe God wants me to be happy. It's against God's Word. It's against God's will. But I believe God wants me to be happy. What do you reckon is driving that? I tell you what it is. It's that animal nature. It's that sensual part of man. So, was that part of man fallen? By the Word of God, that part of man was fallen. Yes. Yes, that part of man has fallen. So, this... This, so there, there's the whole man in the first part of the verse. Now here's the sensual part. Here, here's the animalistic part in the second. Fulfilling. So I, I, I'm going to come to an end. I'm going to produce. I'm going to acquire. I am going to do. I am going to get what I'm determined. I'm going to gratify my flesh. I'm going to do that. I am driven to that. You might say, well, that's not in me. We just get the right word and the right, and the right, uh, whether it be hunger or drink or women or men or beauty or recognition, you're there as well. 
But then he's going to leave that. And he's going to say, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So the mind, that word means the intellect, the imagination with the emotions and the passions. So I've already admitted to you that I've got a problem with my mind. I believe you do as well. But now you think about the desires of the mind. So is man in a fallen nature? Well, let me ask you this. You ever been vengeful? You ever wanted vengeance? You ever wanted revenge? You ever been envious? You ever hated somebody because of what they had? You know where that was at? That was in the mind. That, that, that wasn't the animalistic part of the flesh. That was in the mind. I can hate somebody. I can be jealous. I have malice. I desire, I desire some terrible thing to happen to them. You know where that's at? That's in my mind. Man was fulfilling the desires of the mind. So I'm jealous. What am, what am I going to do? Well, in my mind, I'm going to figure out a way that if I'm jealous about, about this, uh, this woman, if I'm jealous because this person likes this person, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go from jealousy to envy. I'm going to go from envy to strife. I'm going to go from that to malice. My mind is figuring out a way that I can satisfy the longings and the desires of my mind. You say, well, that's, that's awful. Well, I, I believe you can go farther. <laughs> I believe you could go farther than that. You know, we could look and we could say, you know, I, 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 intend, I intend to be the most known person in my profession. Where's that at? I desire to have the admiration of everybody around me. Where's that at? That's in the mind. In the mind, man desires to be looked at and looked up to by all around. Is that of God? Let me ask you this. Was that the desire of the Lord Jesus? What did He do? He humbled Himself and became obedient. Even obedience unto death. He made of Himself of no reputation. You think man sins in the mind? Would you say this? Just be honest and fair. Would you say that a lot of the sins of the body that are not necessarily natural or animalistic a lot of the sins that man commits started in the mind. And the mind entertained those. And the mind justified those. And the mind gave reason for continuation of those thoughts. And before you know it, man was driven driven by the desires of the flesh and of the mind to carry out that that is against God. That that is against His own self. So, 
What about, what about, uh, what about man in his pride? You think that's something? Is that something that's brought up in the mind? Do we in our mind exalt ourselves when we, when we speak to someone and we feel like they're not quite as intellectual as we are? Maybe we're smarter than them. Maybe, maybe we're, we're up on them in intellect. You know what man does? He begins to be prideful in his mind, doesn't he? You know, all that I'm doing, what is it for? Is all that I'm doing, all that I'm taking in, is it, is it to help you? Is it to help my fellow man? Or is it to exalt me? What do you think about yourself? You need not say that you don't because you do. You think about yourself often. And a lot of times what we think about ourselves is how other people perceive us. Depending on who we're with, we might change our action to change the way that they perceive us. You know what that is? That is the desires fulfilling the desires of the flesh, the sensual man, driven, and the desires of the mind, the intellect, the thinking in the mind, man has all of these thoughts. You know, covetousness. Now let, let me ask you this. Where would covetousness have to begin? For me to desire what somebody else has, where would that begin? That didn't begin with the animalistic. You know, if Anthony had a bowl of soup and I hadn't eaten a week and a half, you know, there might be some animalistic nature that would make me want to take that bowl of soup. But if Anthony's got a new truck and I'm envious and I'm covetous of that, that begins up here, doesn't it? In the mind. So Paul... Paul said that he was guilty of covetousness. And I already said to you this morning, what did he covet? I tell you, I believe he coveted to be the high man in Jerusalem. I believe he coveted to be the most exalted teacher, the most exalted spiritual leader that there was. I believe he wanted to be the Gamal. But you know what he did? He come down. My God, how he came down. He came down from that high place in his mind and he became a servant, a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Did he have a problem with his mind? He said, lest I be exalted out of measure, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. Lest through all the revelations I had, being called to the third heaven and seeing things and hearing things that could not be uttered, lest I be exalted out of measure. 
wonder where that was going on. Was that in the natural flesh? Was that in an animalistic? No, that was in the mind. God put a damper on Paul lest he get out of hand in his mind. It'd be good for me to humble myself. It'd be good for me not to think too highly of myself. It would be good for me to keep myself in check that God did not have to humble me. But notice, folks, that man, that man, this is the case. This is the situation. This is man's condition outside of regeneration. I'm not, I'm not going to say, now you, you think with me, even saved, we've got animalistic desires, don't we? Even saved, we've got a problem with our mind. Even saved, Paul says, to bring every imagination into the will of God in obedience unto Christ. So if I'm lost, what kind of a shape am I in? I tell you, I am in a hopeless condition. Lost. <coughs> a little more. Desires of the flesh and of the mind... And we're by nature. You know, this is fought against really. But listen to the word, the definition of by nature. So first, by natural birth. The word means birth, growth, germination, natural production, lineal, Descent. I tell you in my mind, I'm not going to become a sinner. I am a sinner. Listen to the word. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and are going to, by nature, be children of wrath. Is that what your Bible says? And were... The word were there means was. We was. We were by lineal descent. We were by birth. We were by germination. We were by natural production. We were children of wrath. We were by nature. We were by natural birth the children of wrath even as others. What others? All the others. So I'd like, to, I'd like to think on that verse a minute. Psalm 51, we read it to you last week. We'll read it again. David said this, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. At what point is conception? Is conception nine months before birth? Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. So maybe that's not good enough. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. 
Romans chapter number 5. Now remember, we didn't become children of wrath. We were. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed, that word means to spread to all, passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So what's the picture? Adam sinned. Adam is our federal head. Sin passed upon all. Well, I don't think that's fair. Doesn't matter whether you think it's fair or not. Do you think it's fair that you are a sinner and Jesus Christ died for you? Is that fair? Is it fair that your sins were imputed on the back of the Lord Jesus Christ, you being a sinner, a God-hater, and going away from God, is it fair that Jesus Christ died for you, you being a sinner? Is that fair? That's not fair, is it? Well, if I, are you willing to accept that? Are you willing to accept the gracious goodness and mercy and gift of God to save you as a sinner because Jesus died for you that His righteousness would be imputed and put on your account. Your bill would be paid in full. Would you be willing to take that? Well, let me tell you this. That if you're going to take that, you will have to take the imputation of Adam's sin upon you as well. Verse number 12 Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so the wages of sin is death, God said, The day that you eat thereof, Adam, you shall surely die. That day Adam was naked. That day Adam hid himself. That day Adam was estranged from God. That day Adam was in a fallen nature. That day... And I realize it took a while before his flesh died, but his flesh has died. And let me tell you that the sin of man has got greater and greater and greater and greater. And I don't mean that in any theological way. I mean that in the extent of it, uh, the abounding of it, that sin has got greater and greater. Do you know what we are? Adam lived 900 and something years. Where are we today? God said, I'll give you 70 years. And if you live 80, it'll be because of strength and there'll be trouble with it. Again, that's, that's just like nobody having the law but the Jews. That's not everyone individually, but that is a whole the way it works. Romans chapter 5, verse 13, in parentheses. For until the law, sin was in the world. So the law, the law was brought by, brought by Moses. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. So we might say, well, there's no law, so I can't be charged. You may not be charged with a specific sin by the law, but let me tell you this, that sin still reigned. All those people that lived from Adam to Moses, they died too. You know why they died? Because of sin. Was sin passed down? Sin was passed down. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them. Now listen to this verse. Look at it real close with me. Nevertheless, death reigned (coughs) under the power of from Adam to Moses before the law, even, Paul's going to say even, even over them that had not sinned after the form, the resemblance, the likeness of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now let me ask you this, who has not sinned? Like Adam sinned. Even over them who have not sinned in Adam's similitude. Who has not sinned against knowledge? I tell you who they are. These right here. This one over here. Them two that usually sits over here. David had a son that died, didn't he? Had that little boy sinned like Adam sinned? He hadn't sinned like Adam sinned, had he? He didn't have the knowledge. He didn't sin in the likeness that Adam sinned, did he? But death reigned even over infants today. Death reigns. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why is this even over them? Why is that there? I tell you, he's explaining how great that sin is. And to whom does it cover? It covers all of mankind. And again, you might say this, I don't like that. I'm not asking you to like it. I'm not asking you to understand it. There's things in the Bible that I don't understand. Thing in the Bible that you may say that doesn't look that I, I, that's not fair. Remember, we're talking about God, who is beyond our comprehension. We're talking about God who we cannot wrap our man, mind around. We're talking about God who cannot be found out. Know this, that He has a purpose in all things. And just because my little carnal, fallen, sinful mind can't understand it does not mean that God is wrong. God is always right and God is always good. Whatever He does is good. God does not play by man's rules. God did not give man a set of rules and then man says, now listen God, you have to play by my rules. No ma'am and no sir. God is good. And whatever God does. You want something that stirs up your emotions? Let me ask you this. How fair was it that God killed every firstborn in Egypt? Was that fair? 
Looking from the emotional side, was it fair that some woman in Egypt had a little boy that was two years old, had a little girl that was a year old, had a man, uh, 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 an old man and an old woman uh, that up in their 90s or 125, and friend, they had a son that was 60. Was it fair that God killed them? In our natural fallen nature, we say that's not fair. But let me ask you this. Was it good that God did that? Did God do anything wrong? No, He did not. Your emotions does not determine what's good and bad. God determines what's good and whatever He does is good. So we're all, by this Word of God, by this Word of God we were all, but not, not as the offense, Paul is going to go on to say this, not as the offense also is the free gift, for it through the offense of one many be dead, much more through the grace of God and the gift by grace, wherein by one man Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinneth, so is the gift, for the judgment by, was by one to condemnation. So one man sinned, and the whole world fell under condemnation. One man lived a perfect, spotless, blameless life. And do you know something? Every one of my sins have been forgiven. If you're saved, every one of your sins have been forgiven. But know this, I'll hush right now. Know this, that we were everyone among whom also we all had our conversation, our behavior in the time past, in the desires, in the lust of our flesh, the whole man, fulfilling the desires of the animalistic, the sensual part of the flesh, and of the mind, also the mind, and were by nature, by natural birth, by germination, by natural descent, by lineal descent, we were all the children of wrath. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace that delivered me from myself, that delivered me from the world, that delivered me from Satan. Thank God for the grace of God. 